going to be honest. How many of you guys have dreamed of being a superhero at some point in your life? Be honest. Three of you. The rest of you lying straight up. You've all wished you had superpowers. Think about that. My son was telling me about a story in one of his classes. I think it was like a psychology class or something. And the uh, professor, trying to be all smart and cool, said, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Made him write it down and then, you know, describe why. And they went around the room and one person said, you know, I'd like to be able to read minds. And somebody else said, you know, I'd, I'd like to be able to, uh, you know, do this or that and the other. And they got to Cohen. Cohen said, I'd like to be able to have everybody else's superpower. And the professor was like, well, there you go. What are you going to do with that? But we all, listen, come on, be honest. All of us would like to, at some point, you mean to tell me you've never dreamed of having the ability to read somebody's mind? Come on now. You're not married then. I mean, I mean, each and every one of us have had desire to, or make someone disappear. Come on, I've had that one. Or be able to stop, you know, some kind of earth disaster or something like that. Or even be able to get people healed. Well, friend, let me tell you something. You do have that power. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're calling this our power series today and next Sunday. And this is actually, the reason why we're covering that is this is actually the day of Pentecost today. It's the 50th day uh, or the seven weeks right after Jesus' resurrection. Uh, The Passover Sunday that Jesus resurrected on and then uh, 50 days later, which would have been their feast of, uh, the, the feast of harvest. And so here we are at the Pentecost day or the day of Pentecost, and we're celebrating what God did some 2,000 years ago on this very special Pentecost day. As we turn into our scriptures today, we've got a key scripture found in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. If you've got your Bibles, you can look this up or you can see it on the screen. Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, again, it says it like this, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Would you say it with me one more time? Until you have been clothed with power from on high. Father, I pray that over the next couple minutes, that Lord God, that each and every man and woman in this room, Lord God, would recognize the power as a Christian that they possess and the power that they can tap into that maybe they have not understood. Lord, I thank you that our church will be a church that is marked by your power because we are Christians that are supposed to be walking in the gift that you've given us some over 2,000 years ago. Lord, I pray that today would be revelatory and inspiring in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. I've got two purposes with today's message, two purposes. Number one, that the power of God, that you and I would realize that the power of God is critical for your Christian walk, that you understand the power of God is critical for you to live out this Christian walk. And number two, my other purpose is that you would then have a desire and a want to access it. Friend, can I explain something to you? God never intended for you and I to be powerless. He, I appreciate all the other teachings and different denominations that have their different takes on it. But at the end of the day, you cannot read the Holy Scriptures and come away with the thought process that God wanted us to suffer and to be powerless. Just the opposite. He said here in our key verse, one more time, Luke chapter 24, I'm going to send what my Father has promised, stay in the city and wait till you've been clothed with power from on high. Jesus is telling his disciples this. Now, you guys know that he died and he resurrected. For the next 40 days after his resurrection, he appeared to different ones, over 500 people he appeared to. And after 40 days of this, he ascended into heaven. He told them to wait, wait for that which I promised. And on the 50th day or the seventh week after this resurrection Sunday, they, ha- they were all together in an upper room praying and seeking God. They were, at- they were doing what Jesus told them to do, go and wait for this power or this 
promise. Now, you've got to understand, I've taught you this before, but just a, a, a reteach real quick, is that is God had looked at humanity, and he said, okay, I'm going to teach you how to live right, because humanity becomes so wicked. So he gave the Jews his people, he gave them the law, the rules and regulations, how to live right. This is what right is, this is what wrong is. Where do we get wrong and right? We get it from the scriptures. And this is what is how, what's appropriate. If you want to be in a relationship with me, do this. But because you're a sinner, because you're wicked, because you don't act right or you don't obey, what I'm going to do is every year you're going to make sacrifices. Something has got to die to cover the fact that you're a sinner. And so he had, them, he had them every year make sacrifices, whether it was a lamb and that blood was shed or turtle doves or whatever. They had to be killed to show them the pain that their sin is causing to humanity. They show the pain and the suffering that they have in themselves because of their sin. And then there came a moment where God the Father said, enough is enough, and what I'm going to do is now I'm going to cover all your sin by sending my only son to die on a cross. When he died and that blood was shed, that, that all of our sins were pre-covered. They were all set into motion for anyone who would believe and make him Lord and Savior. He didn't just leave it at that, though, that our sins could be covered. He then also sent his Holy Spirit to live and abide in us so that we could walk in power to overcome the sin that so easily entangles us. Friend, can you understand this? Before the Holy Spirit was poured out on humanity, before Jesus died and resurrected, good people trying to do good things to follow the good God did not have the power to do it. They kept going back to their old sin. They kept being overcome. They kept dying because of all the death and destruction. And they had no power. And so God would show up and explode power and then step away. And then humanity had no power to continue that in and of itself. And so God says, no more. He says, not only am I going to cover your sin with the blood of my son Jesus, but I'm going to give you the promised gift, and that is that of the Holy Spirit being poured out. And so as we look into this, let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is that moment where God did what he said he was going to do. So they're all, about 120 of them, are in a room praying, seeking God, when all of a sudden, in verse 1, we'll look at it in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. Ooh, I like that word. In one place, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent tornado wind from Texas came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as a spirit enabled them and from this point forward you see the church those people begin to explode in power as the holy spirit's come upon them now what's happened over time especially over the last couple thousands of years is we've got splits in denominationism because of disagreement about how this power should be interacted with how we should live in it and most of it comes over this little piece right here about praying in other tongues friend i want to thank god that i have a prayer language and i love that but can i just help you with something the intention was never tongues the intention was power. In fact, I'll prove it to you. If you'll back up one chapter in Acts chapter 1, right there from Acts chapter 2, look in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, where Jesus tells them to go and wait, and he says it one more time, but you will receive, say it with me, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Tongues is wonderful. I thank God that I have a beautiful prayer language. Most of our leaders pray in other tongues, but tongues is not, uh, is not a, 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 a prerequisite for going to heaven. Somebody ought to shout amen. And so that's beautiful. I'm glad that we pray in tongues. That's awesome. But the motivation and the goal, say it with me, was power. That's what Jesus wanted us to have. 
That's what the Father wanted us to have. That's what the Holy Spirit living and abiding in us is for. And if you made Jesus your Lord and Savior, the only way you could do that is that the Holy Spirit has drawn you to him. And as a result, when you made Jesus Lord, the Holy Spirit now lives and abides in you. But we see clearly in Scripture these power moments where literally they began to be clothed with power. Literally clothed with power. And I just tell you something. The reason why I showed the little video clips uh, of, of all these movies is because we... As humanity, we're enthralled with, with, with supernatural stuff. All of our TV shows are got some kind of, some kind of supernatural element. All of our, our uh, you know, what used to be, you know, only the weird kid that sat around reading, you know, the comic books. Now all the movies are from the comic books, and they're all about supernatural power stuff. Why? Because in each and every one of us, we want power. We want power. And, and, and Jesus said it like this, the Son of Man has come to destroy the works of the enemy. Can I explain something to you? It makes me mad that cancer kills people. We need power over that. It, it, it breaks my heart as a, as a person who just loves people that addictions are destroying families. That, that, that good people can't seem to stop going back to that crack cocaine. They're just sweet, gracious. I mean, people I've sat with them, they cried. I don't want to keep cheating on my wife. I don't know why I do it. I'll tell you why, because they don't have power. We, we were trying to illustrate that a little bit. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a tornado, but the raw power of that is just, it, it's unhinging. You've seen some of the ones recently over the news the last couple of weeks from the tornadoes that happened, you know, just east of us. And to see the people who survived them and how they came out of the closet and there's nothing left of their home. The closet was the only thing left. Or that they were thrown like a rag doll. That one minute they're, they're, they're sitting there and the next minute they wake up in the hospital and they were found 100 yards away from where they were sitting. Unbelievable the raw power of that. Can I explain something to you? The power that God wants to have inside of us to minister to us and through us is so unprecedented that the enemy himself is scared to death that you won't get an understanding of who you are and what you possess. Uh, we tried to illustrate a little bit, you know, this is one of those little power balls. Have you ever seen that with the electricity? And when you touch it, it kind of goes to you. Yeah, there you go. There it is. I don't know if you can see it because it's so far away. And I wasn't going to use it because it's kind of small and I knew you wouldn't be able to see it real well. But uh, Pastor Jonathan, uh, if you've never met his little daughter, uh, Anaya, she is so beautiful. She's about six or seven years old. And, uh, and so we, they, 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 they got it shipped to the house yesterday and they were looking at it and going to tell me whether or not we should use it. And uh, I said, yeah, I think it's going to be too small. And then they sent me a video and it's little Anaya and she's playing with it and she's like, whoa, wow, Pastor Adam, you have to use that on Sunday, it'll be awesome. So even though you can't see it that way, it's because Anaya wanted me to use it. We are using this Powerball, and it's cute. It's all for baby girl. That's why I just want to point that out. <laughs> but there is something fun, right, about because she kept playing with it, playing with the power in that. to touch. When you get around power, you want to touch it. That's just all there is to it. Years ago, uh, Pastor Jonathan and I, uh, we, uh, we found this Groupon. You know, you don't know this, but uh, Pastor Jonathan, his his background is, is uh, his family uh, heritage is, is from Mexico. And so I call him a Mexican redneck because he loves NASCAR. He is, like the, he is like the NASCAR king, right? And so I don't care about NASCAR. People riding around in circles doesn't do anything for me. And so, and so, but there was a Groupon where we got to go do NASCAR over in Fort Worth and drive the track, right? And so we had to go do a two-hour, three-hour training. And then they put us in those cars by ourselves in the headset, talking to us. As I walk up to the car, and the other cars are going around the track, the power of standing there, and they start up my car. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, ar, 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 ar. 
yes! And I climb inside of this thing, man. <laughs> and, I'm like, and they're in my headset now, sir, we're going to start off slow and steady. I'm like, no, we not. I'm going after this thing. So each one of us respond to power a little bit differently. Some people, they fall out. Some people, you know, they, they're scared of it. Me, I want every ounce of it. I want to grab a hold to it, and I want to drive it around the track as fast as I can. So I get in this car, and the whole thing is it's a race to see who can get the fastest time, so forth, and get up to the highest speeds. And I want you to know that Mr. NASCAR himself, I mean the dude who dreams it, eats it, sleeps it, been to it, understands it. I don't even know why they got numbers on the side of it. I thought it was because first, second, and third place, but I, that ain't even had nothing to do with it. And so we get out there, and I want you to know, they're talking to me, sir, you need to slow down, because I'm going, why? And it's the greatest, the power, I, I, I got out of the car shaking. It was so cool. But when we finished up, he scored at 100 and 49 miles per hour, but Pastor scored 150-something miles per hour, left him in the dust. Sorry, Jonathan, I love you, bro. There's this thing about power that we all like. I don't know what happened over the years where people have misrepresented what God intended for you and I to have. But the reason why Christianity is boring for people and it's hard for them to keep, I, I just can't do it. What do you mean can't do it? I just, I just don't want to, I, I can't do it. The reason why is because no one's taught them about the power that they can possess and walk in. Because the excitement is in the power. He never intended Christianity to be boring and mundane and miserable. That's why your young people don't want to serve God. Because they don't see power. That's why this church is full of young people. Because we, we move with the power of God. Because we see blind eyes open. We interact with that. So let's kind of break this down for just a little bit. Number one, Jesus had power. Isn't that true? Somebody say amen. I, and, and I love this passage in Luke chapter 4. Jesus has gotten water baptized by John the Baptist. When he comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes down and lands on him, clothes him like he says he'll do for us. God the Father speaks out, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. The first thing that the Holy Spirit does is leads him out into the wilderness to be tempted. Why would he allow Jesus to go be tempted? Because now he has, say it with me, power. And after 40 days of starving himself, and the enemy comes to him and tempts him, and Jesus doesn't give in, but he overcomes. And then let's pick up in Luke chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. When the devil had finished all his tempting... He left him, like, man, I'm tired of getting beat up. He left him until an opportune time. Verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. If you'll go back and study Scripture, Jesus does no miracles that are documented in the Bible until after this moment right here. What was the transition? He had the Holy Spirit now. He, had him, he was clothed with the Holy Ghost. It's on him. The first thing he does is he leads him out to be tempted. He overcomes Shut up, Satan. And then he goes into Galilee healing people and getting people delivered and, and transformed. Frank, can I explain something to you? The power of the Holy Spirit will give you the ability not to fall to your old temptations. Then what transpires is you get so stoked about that that you want to help other people. And that's when you start seeing the miracles. And the power is so exciting. I, I love all the crazy, cool miracles that Jesus did. They just, they just get me so excited. I, I was thinking, you know, even just as you kind of look through those passages in the Gospels, I love that he stopped Hurricane Katrina. Okay, it wasn't Hurricane Katrina, but it was a hurricane nonetheless. I love that. And he comes out and says, stop! And he goes, and it's gone. Somebody say power. 
Come on, that's power. I, lo- I love that he took mud. He, he got down in the dirt, spit in it, got some mud out of it, put it on a dude's eyes and said, hey, go, go wash. And as soon as you wash off with the water hose, you'll be able to see. And when he does, he gets healed. Somebody say power. That's power. I love the fact that he made demons come out of a dude and go and make bacon. I mean, I just love that. You know, they had this dude that you and I would, what we'd have done was we'd have hospitalized him. We'd have had him in some kind of psych ward. I want to kill myself. No, I don't. Yes, I do. And we would have had him locked up and chained up and had him in a little padded room or something like that. Jesus looks at him and says, in the name of Jesus, in my name, leave him right now and go into the pigs. And they go into the pigs and the guy's set right. That's power. I love that Jesus walked in power. I love, I love, I love that moment where he actually froze the crowd. Have you ever studied that passage? They all get mad at him. They want to kill him. They get their rocks, and they're going to stone him. And Jesus freezes them, and he walks down through the middle of them. Ding. You know, I just, I love that. I mean, that's the kind of power we need to walk in. I love, I love that, he, that he raised a man from the dead who was already dead for four days. That they've already prepared his body and put him in a grave. In other words, they sucked some blood out of him. They put some little chemicals all over him or whatever, oils and whatever, wrapped him all up, and then Jesus brings him back. to. I like that. That is what makes me want to do this thing called Christianity. I want to live where he intended that I would live, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in your life. I want that, and I want that for you. I want you to understand that the moment that Jesus left the earth, he didn't leave the church without power. In fact, just the opposite, the New Testament church walked in power. That's why I love the book of Acts. I teach that book. I live in that book. Why? Because it's the book where the new church, all these 120 people, they begin to go out and just change the world and power. I love, I'll give you, I'll remind you some of the stories. I love that Peter's first sermon got 3,000 people saved. Somebody say power. My first, my first sermon, 16 people backslid. They're like, well, forget this. I ain't doing this no more. I love, I love the fact that Peter's shadow healed people. His shadow healed people. I mean, if you got cancer and you come run up and dive into that shadow, I'm sorry. I just want to let you know you might. Well, maybe. I don't know. Why? Because there's power to be had. And next week we'll teach you what hinders it. Here's a, another thing that I love. I love that, I, I love that Paul raised Eutychus from the dead. That's, that's just awesome. I love that we see that in the book of Acts. I love at the early church that, that literally Stephen was going around. Stephen, was, he wasn't an apostle. He was one of the dudes that served at the doors, man, holding the doors. He's just a good dude. Had his own business, loved people. I mean, and here Stephen is. The widows are, are in trouble, and so that he helps. He volunteers to help and comes like a lay pastor. And before you know, he's moving in miracles. Why? Because of the power of God. The power of God. It's not my power. It's not your power. It's his power in us to give us the ability to overcome our sin, to give us the ability to overcome temptation, and to give us the ability to overcome sickness, disease. Come on now. Every temptation of the enemy, every plan of the enemy can be overcome when we have power. Say it with me one more time. Power. And then I love that Jesus said this about you and me because he gave us power. He said this in John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me. If you have faith in Jesus, say me. All right, five or six of you. That's good. We might get somewhere. Let's try that again. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me, if that's you, say me. There you go, a little bit more. Will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. I don't know who taught you that Christianity was about going to the church, lighting some candles for bad people, giving you money, and trying not to be bad. That's never what he intended. He intended that you and I would heal the sick. Raise the dead, cast out devils, that we would overcome. He knew we would be tempted. He knew there was a wicked enemy. That's why his first illustration was he went out and faced him. 
under the power of the Holy Spirit and overcame him and then went out doing good all throughout Galilee. Can I explain something to you? He never meant for you to be powerless. That was never his intention. So you say, well, why this power? What is so important about this power? Well, here's the thing you've got to understand. The enemy has power. Satan, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, he has power. So the only way to overcome his power, come on somebody, is with more power, right? And there's a scene that I just had to play for you. It's my favorite scene in all of the Indiana Jones footage, uh, all the Indiana Jones movies. And it's the scene where it, you just got to see it, play it for him. So I'll, I'll shut up and let him see it. Okay, it's that whole adage, why'd you bring a knife to a gunfight, right? I mean, you got, the, you got the wrong weapon, Satan. You're trying to discourage me, and I'm out here raising the dead. You done, you done made your mistake right then and there, is that you brought your little knife to a gunfight. Here's the problem. Most Christians don't even have a, a knife, much, much less a gun. They don't even understand the power that is in them, abiding in them. They haven't tapped into it. They don't know how to, to, to exude it, if you were to get it up out of them, to minister the loss and the hurting, or even to apply it to the terrible situation that they're going through. And what they want, and this is what most Christians have done, what they want is someone else to be their superhero. They want someone else. In other words, you don't realize you were created to be a superhero. And you, since you don't want to do that or you're scared to do that or you've been misappropriated, no one's taught you that you could be that, then, then you're looking to someone like me to be your superhero. And you expect the pastor to fix all those things or, or the leader. We're clearly in Scripture, my job, according to Ephesians, is to equip you to do the supernatural. That's my job is to equip you. Friend, listen, I move in the supernatural on a daily basis. I experience power on a daily basis. Literally, I can line each and every one of you up and prophesy over you and tell you what God says. But then guess what happens? Then who becomes your Lord? Me. So you need to be able to hear God for yourself. You need to be able to know God in and of yourself. You need to tap into the power. Why? Because you are his elect. You're his sons and daughters. He wants you to change the world. We're together as a church, as a body of believers, but you are the light of the world that he's sending out. You are the answer to what ails people. God's changed you so that you can help change others. This is the power that is laying dormant inside of so many believers because someone had taught them that they have power. And the reason why is because we've seen people misappropriate that power. Do you know why we've had people misappropriate that power? Because, because they were the only ones, they were the only ones bold enough. They didn't have the character or an integrity to sustain that power. But because none of us will walk in power because we're scared of it. So some, you know, there's always those crazy people, right? There's always those crazy. And so next thing you know, they're all over YouTube. They're all over Christian television. And you're looking at them going, dude, that dude ain't even got, he don't, he's got zero integrity. But yet we're making heroes out of him. Why? Because he's just crazy enough to tap into the power in a way that all of us go, ooh, I wouldn't try that. And then miracles happen. You're like, ooh, that must be fake. Why? Because you can see the lack of integrity shining through the, the attempt at power. Every one of us are attracted to power. That's why the people run and gravitate around people. I went to a, a, a meeting one time. This guy was supposed to be a great healer. I could not believe it. As we walked up to this little meeting place, and it held about you know, 10,000 people, all these people were laid out in the grass in their wheelchairs, all these people smoking cigarettes, smoking dope, just trying to get in there, hoping that their pain can go away, and they're hoping that this dude can fix them. He's not the dude. 
the dude's name was Jesus. And he sent his Holy Spirit to live and abide in us. And because you and I don't walk in power, we've created these specialized superheroes who cannot be God. Because the moment they stand between us and God, God's got to take them down. Because he'll have no other gods before him. No one else between us and himself. That's why we don't need another high priest. We have one. His name is Jesus. And we don't need anyone else to go take our sins before the Father. Jesus did it once and for all. And now we have full rights to go into the throne ourselves and interact with God ourselves. I'm sorry that people have taught you that. When we come back next week, I'll help you with some of this understanding and help you break through some of these pieces so that you and I can move forward. Can I just tell you something? It is exciting to move in power. I'll never forget one of the first times I really moved in power. Uh, Mom and dad had put me in a Christian school. They thought maybe that would fix me. And so I went into this Christian school environment, and and, uh, I was really, 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 uh, you know, serving Jesus and radical on fire. And then I left there and and ended up in Bible school. And so the year I graduated, I went into Bible school. And so I stayed in the area. And so the Christian school contacted me and said, would you come do a chapel for us? You're on fire for God. You're at the Bible school. Would you come speak at our chapel for us? Well, the worst thing you can do in life is speak at a Christian school chapel. I'm just telling you. They don't want you there. They don't want to be there. They're like, oh, all he hears God all day long in math class, English class, everything. Oh, my God. And so then you got to do a chapel for them. Come on, everybody, let's worship the Lord. And they're like, whatever. And so, and so I'm praying and seeking God. Lord, what do you want me to share? And the night before, the night is the most unbelievable thing. As I'm praying, I started getting pictures of the different students. I had just graduated the year before, so I knew a lot of the students. I mean, a small Christian school. And, uh, and so I started writing down their names, and as I wrote down their names, God would give me a prophetic word for them. Susan, God says that though you were molested at, at, at seven years old, God's going to turn that around, and you're going to minister to other ladies. I started writing all these things down. Within two hours, I, I had written down everyone's name that I, knew, I could remember as God gave me, gave me free. And some kids, I didn't know their name, just a dude, little short dude, you know, with the little mustache thing. And uh, that's literally, I, I wish I could find the notepad. And, uh, and I showed up the next day. They did worship, and they said, okay, Adam, it's your turn to kind of share whatever God's given you. And I said, okay, well, I'm scared to death. And I'm standing there. I'm like, well, I don't want to do this. This is crazy. Because, you know, that's, that's either really, really awesome or really, really terrible. And so I said, uh, well, I feel like God told me to tell you all some things. And so, Susan, if you'll stand up, God said to tell you that, that uh, though you were molested at seven and you never really told anybody, and she starts freaking out. <gasps> And God says this, and God says that. She falls down on the ground crying. Okay, well, uh, Billy, um, <laughs> you stand up, bro. And uh, hey, little dude with the mustache, if you'll stand up. And I just started tell, reading off. I, I'm reading it. It's not, I don't have any, I'm not, I'm not you know, ex, ex, very exuberant about it. And I'm surely not being theatrical about it, you know. The Lord says. <laughs> pick him back up, pick him back up. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Pick him back up, pick him back up. I'm not doing any of that I'm because I'm scared to death too, you know, because this power is surging through me, and, and I'm reading it off, you know. I don't know if I'm doing good or bad. I'm just trying to be obedient. Can I tell you something? After I finished reading all of those prophetic words to these people, everyone in the whole place is on their face crying and weeping for God. Teachers are on their face. It was unbelievable. They, we prayed and ministered for, for three hours. They, they had to cancel school. school was, they canceled school. They still mark that as a revival moment in that school's history. Why? Because I'm so amazing? No, just simply because I tapped into what you and I possess. It's called power. Everybody say power. I'll never forget. I'll never forget praying for this girl. And we're standing there, and her friend brings her up. She's like, Pastor, would you pray for her? Would you pray for her? And I said, okay, what's what's the problem? She goes, she's got scoliosis of the spine. I didn't even know what scoliosis was. I was like, what does that mean? 
And she goes, my spine is curved like that. I was like, oh, okay. I said, well, let's pray. Let's believe God, you know. And I, you know what I mean? I'm just, just dumb enough to believe. And so I grabbed her hand and said, Lord, we just pray against scoliosis. And her friend's like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Standing behind her, thank you, Jesus. And I was just like, you're a little weird, but that's okay. <laughs> Have you ever considered a career in drama? <laughs> anyway, anyway. And I'm praying, you know, and, and praying. All of a sudden, I hear, pop. Pop, pop, pop. And I look at her, open my eyes, and she's looking at me. I'm like, oh, was that you? She goes, yeah. I was like, uh, what was that? She goes, I think it just all popped. I was like, what does that mean? She goes, I don't know, but it doesn't hurt. And I was like, and the girl behind her heard it, and she's like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And me and her, you know, obviously this girl's like me. We're both from Church of Christ. They were like, mm-hmm, wait a minute. Believe in this thing. Let's see. And then all of a sudden she goes, it's better it's better I was like well what's something you couldn't do before she goes I couldn't do this and she started bending and doing these things I was like that's amazing just like on TV that's awesome I'm gonna start me a televangelist ministry just the opposite see I recognize that that power wasn't so that I could be promoted but that he could be promoted that's where the breakdown's at I know right The same power that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you. If you're a believer. Now, we see clearly in Scripture an experience where after the disciples had been breathed on and Jesus had received the Holy Spirit, we see him then tell them, go and wait to be clothed. We quoted the passage. We showed you the passage. Be clothed with power of the Holy Spirit. Wait and ye shall receive power. There is an experience where not just the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that convicts you and causes you to feel bad about it. See, before I was a Christian, I didn't feel bad about doing nothing wrong. You shouldn't have done that. You should have got out of my way. I wouldn't have punched you if you wouldn't have said that. When I got saved, the Spirit of the Lord started convicting me. I didn't like to hit people anymore. I felt bad about it, but I couldn't stop it. And then they laid hands on me like we see in scriptures to be clothed with power. And when that happened, all of a sudden now I had the ability to overcome. I had power. And this is an experience that's very clear in Scripture. Sometimes people pray in other tongues. Not always. I like when you do. But if you don't, that doesn't mean you're going to heaven or not going to heaven. Or you're a better Christian or a second-rate Christian. I don't know why it became the dividing point. But I'll tell you this. Instead of worrying about all that, why don't we just get a hold of power and start changing the world one hurting soul at a time? Wouldn't that be kind of the heart of the Father that ye shall receive power? Look at Psalm 66.3. It says, how awesome, talking about God the Father. How awesome are your deeds. So great is your, say it with me, power that your enemies cringe before you. God's power is so, it's so powerful that the enemies of God cringe. How many of you are a son or daughter of Jesus Christ, of the Most High God? Come on, if you're a son or daughter of the Most High God. Can I ask you a a question? Do the enemies of God cringe before you then? You're his son, you're his daughter. If the power of God causes them to cringe, and he sent us his power, how come the enemies don't cringe before us? How come we cringe before the enemy? Cancer should be cringing at you. Depression should be cringing that you're going to start praying against it. The enemies of God, addictions should go, I hope he doesn't tap in. Oh, I hope he don't know. Hope he doesn't find out about the power he has. 
There's a man in our church. He's an awesome man of God. Phenomenal. He and I have the same background denominationally. And, uh, and so we really have a bond over it. And so uh, he, he would come to church. He's been coming to church here for a couple of years. And, and, uh, and I, would, I would minister to him. And he'd keep going through, you know, Pastor, pray for me. I'm just having problems with this and problems with that. And after about six months, I, I identified for him. I, hey, you realize you, we're praying about the same problem every three weeks, right? And he goes, yeah, I just don't know how to stop it. I was like, well, can I explain something to you? I love you. And we both come from the same denomination that taught us that we don't have power. I said, but that's not what the Bible says. I have a revelation of it. I walk in it now. I'd love for you to receive his power so that you don't have to keep me half carrying you up the hill and you keep falling backwards and, and getting beat up by the enemy. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was really hung up about a prayer language and, and you know, lots of salia and, and falling on the ground, uh, you know, because he saw YouTube videos. I said, I don't think we're after that. I think we're just after power. And so, so he said, well, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not quite ready. I said, no big deal. Awesome, awesome leader in our church, phenomenal man of God. And uh, so about six months later, he came back. He said, man, I'm really struggling. I said, I know. You're going to keep struggling too, sucker, <laughs> until you get some power. Yeah, I can't carry you up the hill. I'm barely getting myself up the hill. Ah, yeah, I know, I know. And about six months ago, he finally got to the place he was desperate. He said, I don't care what it takes. I can't live like this anymore. I said, well, come on by the church. And we sat down in my office. And he said, okay, you going to pray for me? I said, nope. I'm going to give you 10 scriptures to go study yourself. Because I can't give you faith for what you doubt. And I'm not going to lay hands on you to receive something you don't really want. That's like standing in line at the, at the, at the food checkout, at the little you know, food bar thing. And they said, do you want some guacamole? You're like, yeah, yeah, I'll get some guacamole. Yeah, sure. That's not how this works. You either want what he has for you or you don't. And if you don't want it, he ain't forcing nothing on you. Well, then eat your taco without guacamole. God bless you. But I'll tell you, some of you are getting yourself beat down because you don't understand the power that he's planned out for you. Just like you do with your kids. Okay. Well, God, if you don't, I'm not going to force it on you. And so <clears throat> he took those scriptures home. He called me within three days. Let's do it now. Won't you pray for me now? I'm like, well, let's get it a couple more days when the hype wears off so this thing can be real. He came to my office. He was real subdued. Brought another brother with him, small group leader and his wife. And he said, you ready? He said, yeah. Laid hands on him. And man, the power of God began to surge through him. It scared him. He was like, this is unbelievable. And he began to pray in a prayer language. I was like, dude, that's awesome. What a gift. A couple of weeks later, he told me, man, God's been talking to me in the middle of the night. I'm getting prophecies for people and words for people. It scared him. It scared him not because it was wrong it scared him because <laughs> he was mad that he had wasted so much of his christian walk <laughs> and he wanted to do right by people and not do wrong by people i think that healthy fear of power is smart i think that's where people have messed up and not respected the power that god has flowing through us i want to give you three things to do this week it's kind of your takeaways from today's message number one i want you to decide here and now today whether or not you're going to seek out and find the power that God has for you. He said, oh, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Great. Do the, do the demons cringe? Or have you quenched the Holy Spirit over the last couple months or years? That's the first. I want you to, I want you to decide here now, right where you sit. I'm going to either seek this out or I'm just let it go. Keep doing what I'm doing. Hallelujah. As your pastor, I love you. I want the best for you. We're going to see it through. You don't, you're not going to. That's, that's your choice. 
Second thing I want you to do is I want you to find someone you trust. If you decide, I want this power. I want you to find someone you trust who already walks in power to lay hands on you and pray with you. Some of you, when you were young people, someone called you down to some type of gathering and got you down front in front of everybody and laid hands on you, and it was an uncomfortable environment and tried to get you to go, la, 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 be, 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 she, be, she, be. And you said, forget that. And you never experienced power, and you wrote it off as, as fake. That was because of a couple factors, and we'll talk more about them next week. But one of the main factors is that that person praying with you, you didn't know, you didn't trust, and you didn't, you didn't know if they had your best interest in mind. And you were resistant and didn't even realize it. They didn't have that problem in the New Testament. <laughs> like, just give it to me, I don't care. But we, on the other hand, have seen so much mess over the last few years that we're apprehensive. Why? Because nobody wants anything mystical. Nobody wants anything fake, right? I don't. You don't. And so that's why I tell you, seek it out. See if that's what you want. And if you do, find someone you trust to pray with you. If you're a small group leader in this room, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Small group leaders all across the room. These men and women will be available for you after service. Just walk up to them. They'll pull you in a side room or off the side in front or something if you want them to pray for you. And the third and final thing that I want you to do as an action step is I want you to come back next week so that I can instruct you a little bit more on the explosive ingredients that come together so that this power can surge in your life. There's a few ingredients that you need to be aware of that you may be missing, or may have missed in times past, that will keep you from having that explosion. Would you stand with me all across the room? Everybody say power. power. Everybody say power. power. Amen. I want you to join hands with that person next to you. I want to be the body of Christ as we kind of minister to one another. I'm asking the Lord, been praying over you all week, that you would experience his power, that you would walk in his power, that you would tap into what the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you as a Christian already has given you and that there would be an experience for you that is supernatural. Would you just take a moment and I want to pray over, I want you to pray over each other that you and I, that we would be a church that walks in power. I'm not talking about weirdness. I'm not talking about fake. I'm talking about hype. I'm talking about real power. Did Jesus walk in power? Somebody say yes. Did the New Testament church walk in power? Somebody say yes. Did he say we would have power? What's the problem? The Bible says it like this. The things of God are foolishness to the carnal mind. They don't make sense. They don't. To the foolish, to the people who are perishing, who don't believe in God, his supernatural power is foolishness. Doesn't make sense to them. But to the mind led by the Spirit, it's life evermore. The Lord will reveal himself to you if you'll ask, if you want. So I want you to pray. I want you to pray that every person in our church would access the power that God has for them. I don't want them to be weird. I don't want them to be freaky. But I want them to have the power. Would you take that moment and let's pray together. Father, I pray for every man and woman that we're standing next to, that we're holding hands with. Know the real power of God. Not the fakeness. Not that stuff that people use to try to get people to give them money so they can live in big mansions and drive fancy cars. I'm talking about the power that my Jesus walked in. I'm talking about the power that my heroes Paul and Peter and, 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 and I think about Silas and Barnabas, the power that they walked in. Lord God, the, those who wrote the New Testament, they became the Holy Scripture. Those men, they all prayed in other tongues. They all had the power of God flowing through their veins. And they were able to hear you and, 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 and literally write your Holy Scriptures. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that our church will be full of men and women who just know your power. Lord, they don't have to be weird and they don't be goofy, but Lord God, we can no longer live in a state of being beat down, pushed back, 
and overcome by the enemy. We've got to stop playing uh, pencil fighting while he's shooting bazookas at us. And we've got to tap into the power. God, I pray right now for a holy, holy indignation to rise up in every one of these believers. To say, enough. I'm not letting the devil bully me anymore. Father, I pray, Lord God, that men and women in this room who even are apprehensive would go back and look at your word. And find what you actually say about it. Search out and seek who you are. And know you in the fullness of your glory. And that, Lord God, your holy word, that if we would wait, we would receive power. That if we ask, it will be given. And that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, dwelling in us, quickening our mortal bodies, and greater works than what you did shall we do. We hold to these truths, and we ask for this power to come into our lives like never before. Would you let go of that hand of that person next to you and keep your head bowed for just a moment? It would be remiss of me to allow sweet people to come to service today who maybe are away from God and not give you an opportunity to come back to Him. Maybe you grew up in the church and something happened and life went on and and now you find yourself separated from God. Listen, I got good news for you. He longs for you. He longs to be in relationship with you. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've never been a Christian. I didn't really know what all you guys believed. I didn't really understand about God. I've had these moments where I know there's a God, but I didn't really know I could be in relationship with him. Friend, today can start the best relationship of your entire existence. You say, well, what do I have to do? I explain this every week. He already did it all. He paid it forward, man. There's an account with your name on it. That the blood of Jesus has covered every one of your sins you've already committed and all the ones you're going to commit. You say, ooh, how do I tap into that account? I'm so glad you asked. The Word of God says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that He is the God, the Lord, the, the Son of the living God, that He will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The next portion of that interaction is that literally you and I make Him the Lord of our life. Not live for ourselves, but live for Him. He gives us strength to accomplish that. So today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're not a Christian or you've been away from the Lord, you want to come home or you want to become a Christian, I can pray with you. No one's looking around. It'll be me, you, and heaven looking. In fact, I think that God is sitting on the edge of his seat wondering, is this the moment or will she push me away again? Is this the moment or is he going to just pretend that being a, a young person, he's having too much fun and he doesn't want me in his life right now? Is this the moment he'll respond or will he... Or will he push me away? Friend, don't push the Lord away. If you feel him tugging at your heart, here's your moment to respond. Here's how I'm going to get you to respond. If you're away from God or you're not a Christian, I want to pray with you. But you need to acknowledge that to God. It's a sign of repentance when you say, me, I need to repent. It's a humility of the heart when you say, yes, I'm away from God. And I want you to identify that by lifting your hand. Say, pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. And I want to come back to him today. And I want you, if that's you, if I'm speaking to you, then quickly, all across the room, lift your hand. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thanks for being real and authentic. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. God bless you, sweet love. Thank you. So, you're so, oh, man. Thank you. Thanks for being authentic. Thanks for being real. God loves real, authentic people. He can't do anything with fakes. Anyone else? Give you about two more seconds. Say, pray for me, Pastor. It's time. I'm ready to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm ready to pray. Give my heart to him. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Just one more second. I don't, I don't want to belabor the point, but I just, I just don't want to miss you. I know it takes courage to lift your hand, but this is about your eternal destiny. This is about God of heaven and earth wanting a relationship with you. Anyone else? Amen. But with every head bowed and 
put all your hands down. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. That's a connecting prayer. You've already lifted your hand. You've already admitted you needed God. Now he's going to respond to your prayer right here. Transform your life. In fact, I'm going to get everyone in the audience to pray this prayer out loud. But I want you to mean it with all of your heart. So let's say it like this. Jesus, today I surrender. I'm tired of running away. Here and now, I admit I'm a sinner. I need you, Jesus. Please forgive me and wash me clean. I accept your forgiveness. I ask you now to be the Lord of my life. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand. I ask you right now in Jesus' name. Lord God, as they have come to you and you have responded to them, may they now sense, feel, know in their knower that they are forgiven. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard their heart and their mind. May they just know as they walk out of this place, may they be able to hold their shoulders back and their head up knowing that God has forgiven me and I'm good. I'm good with God. And Lord, that you now will teach them. You will give them power to overcome their own sin, their own bad habits, all the fear that I'm going to mess it all up. Lord, just remove that right now and let them be confident that you've got them right in the palm of your hand. And we call this as so in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen and amen.